Welcome to the official podcast where the bombs get thrown. I'm your host, May Shayla Bogan, and I introduce to you the Mike Bomb Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Mike Bomb Podcast. This is your host, May Shayla. I would like to take this time for all of you who are listening to this episode. Thank you very much for your genuine support as I will continue on with this episode. So this will be, you know, a recap of week 11, I believe it was, of the NFL season because this honestly, let's just say it's the week that it's the beginning to things being shaken up in both the NFC and the AFC conference. So I'm going to start off with, let's just say, let's just start off with um, the Steelers and the Chargers game. Because I think that's a game that's heavily on everyone's mind right now, especially mine's as a user. The Steelers came into that game with six defensive starters missing and didn't find out to the last minute that, their quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, was playing. Even though it clearly showed that they were missing outside linebacker T.J. Watt, safety Minka Fitzpatrick, cornerback Joe Hayden, you know, along with Isaiah Loudermilk, who I think is a phenomenal defensive end, even as a rookie, Stephon Tuitt, who we're not even sure it's going to even be playing at all this year at this point as much time as he's missed. Um, along with that, we also saw that, you know, Ben having, let's just say, the best game of his of his 2021 football season, even though it's obviously not the result that he wanted, I wanted, or anyone else who was rooting for the Steelers to win wanted. Um let but if there's a positive spin on this, the Chargers are legit. Their defense is still pretty questionable though, because you did give up thirty plus points to an offense that came in only averaging about nineteen to twenty points a game. But as for the Chargers, let's just say I had them not going to the playoffs, but I can't say that no more because I don't see a lot of teams beating this team for the remainder of their schedule. I really don't. Um, I think if they were going to lose the game, it would have been this game. And they didn't lose. They won that game. And I think that this team just might can do some things around here. Because let's just say they got a game against the Broncos next. Then they got the Bengals. Then they got the Giants, which I they're definitely winning that game. I don't see them losing. They got Kansas City at home in SoFi, which, you know, is, I believe, that Sunday night. Then they turn around, and they got the Texans, then the Broncos again, then the Raiders. 
The LA Chargers, I don't see losing another game this year. Maybe to the Bengals. Maybe to the Chiefs. But that's pretty much it on this schedule, I believe. Because they already beat Cleveland. They beat Pittsburgh. They beat, they blew out the Raiders. 28-14. You know, they they kind of spanked Kansas City 30-24. to um, in Arrowhead, so they got rid of the top, the tough tasks. Yes, they lost to the Cowboys, and that's cool and all, but all these games for the Chargers are winnable. And honestly, I just don't see the Chargers losing another game this year. Maybe to the Bengals, depending on how they're, you know, they're gonna play or how they finish this year. Um. And maybe to it's, and maybe it's to the um. You know. They're. Maybe to Kansas City, maybe you know, or they just might sweep the Chiefs this year because they do have home field advantage. Um, but. The Steelers, you know, shouldn't feel ashamed. I understand it's frustrating because you went from the fifth seed to now the eighth seed, so it means you're on the outside looking in. But this is not, you know, a loss that should really tear them down because you did come in pretty shorthanded on both sides of the ball. Offensive line missing. Ben, you finding out Ben at the last minute, you know, is complaining. Things of that nature. I think the offense kicked up, but what held the Steelers' offense back is what's been holding them back this whole season. Honestly, it's Matt Canada and his play calling. So my advice to Mr. Canada would be just give Najee Harris the ball next time you at the goal line. That's all I got to say about that. Um, defense gets healthy. Chargers keep doing what you're doing. And that's just that on that game. There's nothing really much else to say so far on this episode about that game. But on to, you know, the rest of week 11 because there's a lot more to talk about. And I think there's a one topic that I really, really want to get in touch on. And that's the Dallas Cowboys losing to the Chiefs. 19 to 9, which I believe was one of the lowest scoring points combined, you know, that whole this whole week in football. Cause there was only 28 points, you know, averaged. And it's crazy that the Patriots and the Falcons averaged more points when the Falcons scored nothing and the Pats scored 25. Um, This is a lot of things that, you know, really questions me about the Cowboys. Even though they did have Amari Cooper missing, CeeDee Lamb went down during the game with a concussion. He was ruled out. But... I think the issue with the Cowboys is they lose games they're supposed to win or they're favored to win. I think they came in as favorites to beat the Chiefs, and they didn't. They practically got shut out because there was not one touchdown being scored, and they at least came in averaging at least one touchdown a game, and they didn't average any. And you can hardly question their defense because to hold Patrick Mahomes, who's the one who we've seen score, 30 plus points at the minimum to like 
you know, 45 and then you hold them to 19, there's only much you can ask for a defense to do. And I think the Cowboys defense did a good job at that. Their offense didn't capitalize. They didn't run the ball as much as they should have. Um, Dak made some pretty bad throws, an interception, then he fumbled, which, you know, led to a Tyreek Hill touchdown, I think it was, and a, um, Travis Kelce rushing touchdown, which pretty much sealed the deal of that game. Chris Jones is outstanding, you know, having at least two, three quarterback hits, three sacks. Um, I think he was the one who forced the fumble on Dak, if I'm not mistaken. I could be a little wrong about that, but the Chiefs are looking pretty good. The Cowboys are still in a good boat because of their division, but I think that there's a lot of things they need to be worrying about when it comes to the other teams in the other conference. But I believe that Dallas will be back. They'll be fine. They'll be set. Um, they're playing the Raiders at home, so I expect them to win that game. I could be wrong. But I'm picking Dallas because they're at home, in which I'm going to speak a little more about, you know, as this episode goes along. But I think that they're in a great, 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 great position in the division. And that's why they're going to make the playoffs. Because the Giants stink. Washington football team, too many injuries. I don't see them winning that division without Chase Young. Um, Then you got the Panthers, who's, you know finding an identity and is clearly missing Christian McCaffrey who I don't think is back yet enormously in the run game and I think he would be able to help out Cam Newton you know as it goes along but wait let me scratch that the Panthers are not even in that division so let me scratch that um I'm sorry it would be the Eagles that's in that division gosh (laughs) It would be the Eagles, even though they're looking pretty solid, but I don't think they're going to catch up enough to, you know, take the lead from Dallas, and I don't see them beating Dallas this year. So, the Cowboys are good division-wise. Conference-wise, because you got teams like the Rams, teams like the Packers, teams like the Bucks, who is coming off a dominant victory versus the Giants, kind of help the Cowboys out there. Um... Teams like the Cardinals, the 49ers, who's on the outside looking and who can, you know, get a, get a good spot. The the Vikings is another team. You know, there's a lot of teams to look at right now. And you're the Cowboys. You could be seeing any of these teams right now. And if you dare play the way against any of these opposing defenses, the way you played against Kansas City's, then I promise you right now will be another one and done season. And I don't think you want that if you're Dallas. Because I think I speak for all Cowboy fans. Enough of that has already been seen through not one but two eras. So you don't need a you don't need that to keep constantly being repetitive. But that's all to speak about in the Cowboys game. Obviously. Patrick Mahomes is looking more like himself. He didn't really look like himself or the Patrick Mahomes we've seen. I think a lot of people are starting to pick up on him. So we can expect a little decline, even though he is right now leading the league in passing yards, which is a great thing because he's been doing that since he's been in the league, except for 2018, where I think it was Ben Roethlisberger who led the league in passing yards that year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But yeah. 
it's 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 fine in Dallas. Um, obviously they're gonna learn from this. They're gonna get healthy again, and they'll be good. But they do need to tighten up more in that secondary, and I think they should tighten up a little bit more on that offensive line, as in protecting Dak more, opening up holes for Zeke for Ezekiel Elliott and Pollard. You know to get through. I think they should start using him more. I haven't even seen them use Pollard that whole game. I don't know what happened to him. But if he's available and he's not injured, I think they should start getting him more involved because what, to me, what got Dallas, you know, started with the hot streak they were on is the fact that they were not only using one power for back in Ezekiel Elliott, they was using two, which opened up the field, which opened up the running game, which wore down the defense even more because it's like deep, it forced defensive, you know, defensive coordinators and defensive players opposing defenses of course to be in a frustrating tired position where it's like well goddamn who the hell are we gonna stop we're gonna stop Zeke or we're gonna stop Pollard you know it's just hard it's hard to stop both you know powerful backs and I think that's what Dallas got away from a little during this time um is the running game which I think they should start getting back to but on to the recap of this, you know, the last topic of this segment, which will be Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield being booed off the state. I mean, being booed off the field, you know, for his dreadful performance in the win against the Lions. I believe it was, it was 16 to 13 or 13 to 10, something of that nature. It was about a three point differential. Seeing what the Lions did to the Steelers, you know, taking it to overtime and, you know, tying the game with the Steelers who did not have Ben Roethlisberger that game, clearly missed them, along with the fact that, you know, they were pretty banged up on defense during the second half, TJ going down, Mika's out, Joe's out, things of that nature. I believe it's just, you know... It scares Browns fans because, see, they were with Mason Rudolph, who I think a lot of people speak for is not that good or not good at all. Then it's Baker Mayfield, who's supposed to be the real deal, and yet we're barely beating a team who don't even have their starting quarterback, who don't even have a defense, who hardly has a running game, and yet we can't produce. You turning the ball over numerous of times. I think Baker threw like two, three interceptions that game. Which also which produced some which put points on the lines board nearly cost them the game. Fans booing him. He's pretty much on this I don't care attitude, and I think that will be a problem because to me Baker Mayfield's not earned that right. I think that he owes his fans an apology for saying that he doesn't care because at the end of the day you are talking to one of the most loyal fan bases in all of sports, not just the NFL. Not just the AFC, not just the AFC North, but in sports in general. That's including basketball, football, hockey, baseball, you name it. Browns fans are up there. And, they're, and I'm not talking about, you know, top just top 10. I'm talking about top 2, top 3. They're the only ones who I know that fills out a whole stadium even when their team is stinking up the joint. And to tell them practically through the media that you don't care what they think unless they're your teammates then that's a problem right there that's a problem because you're telling them that as long as they if they don't play from you know us I don't care about their opinions 
And you should, because at the end of the day, it ain't your teammates who's sitting in that cold, you know, risking getting sick, losing their voices, paying their hard-earned money to come and watch you play. It's them. And it's been them since the Colt McCoy era and every other era after that. It's like they have more than every right to be upset because one, you have not played. Baker has not played his best football, and it was looking like how his his performance against the Lions, even though they did win this game, was looking the way it was looking last week up there in Foxborough. So they have every right to boo, and I think that. Baker should start taking into consideration that you're supposed to be this dude and you have not shown them why you should be this dude. And he has a lot of growing up to do. He has a lot of, you know, things that he must, you know, improve on. And that's his play calling. That's his, you know, that's his timing. That's everything. And it's just, you cannot tell fans you don't care about what they think when they're the ones paying. And you don't have no excuse to not perform the way you know you're supposed to perform because the team around you, the fact that you're clearly not injured because even if they tell you not to play, you're going to listen to your ego and play anyway. So clearly you're fine. It's just, it's just be more cautious with what you say and how you say it because I would not invest my money into a player that don't give a damn what I think because... Or don't care about what I think and is showing it with arrogance in press conference interviews. Who's not performing or being the dude that we thought he was going to be and the way he was hyped up by everyone around him to be. And that's just that with that situation. It's like you can't take people's money and not give them the proper service they're looking for. See, that's the thing about customer service. And technically, that's what you're doing. You know, your your fans, you don't know where these fans be traveling from. You don't know. Not all Brown fans, right, are from Cleveland. There's a couple of Brown fans, maybe not as much, but there's a couple of Browns fans everywhere. And you don't know where these fans could be traveling from. They could be coming from another country here to watch you and the Browns play for the very first time. Do you think that's a performance? They need to be investing their money in the pain to see. You play like crap with nothing but talent around you. You got Odell blamed. He's out of Cleveland now. Who are you going to blame now? Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, who's still on IR, who's supposed to be coming right back off soon, sooner rather than later. Darnus Johnson, Miles Gary, Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams. That's who you're going to blame? That's who the media or anyone else is going to blame next the next time you play like shit and underperform but you don't care what they think it's like if I'm Browns fans I'm writing you off because that's the mentality of part of the reason why you're losing you don't care what we think you don't care that we're getting upset you don't care that we're tired of going 18 years or 17 seasons of practical and you know you know laughable futility you don't care that before you were drafted, they were the laughing stock of the NFL. And the team that they built around you and the hype that came within you is the reason why nobody's laughing at the Cleveland Browns anymore until now. 
and they're not even laughing as hard as they used to, even though as much as they would love to, I'm one of them, but they're not laughing now because they feel with this team they can't. But the way Baker's been performing, it's like, are we sure these are not the same laughable Browns just with talent? So now they don't have no excuse. So you should care what your fans think because they shouldn't feel like this with all this talent around you. You should not be last in the AFC North division with all that went on with Cincinnati, all that went on with Baltimore, all that's going on with Pittsburgh. Baker Mayfield truly has some growing up to do and he truly needs to hold himself more accountable and he does need to listen to his fans because his market would not be a damn thing without him. Not a damn thing. And he needs to understand that you're not only playing for your teammate and playing for yourselves, you're playing for them as well. And that's all that I got to say. I'm going to take a few, you know, a few like a one minute break and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in. I'll see you next segment. Welcome back to the Mike Bomb Podcast. This is your host, May Shayla. I am now going on to give you practically, I would like to call this, you know, the preview of Thursday night football, Thanksgiving Day in NFL, where, you know, they host at least two, three games every year between, you. well, at least four NFL teams and give you guys, you know, something to watch so I'm gonna just kick off with the game between the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions you have at Ford Field in Detroit Michigan Lions will be hosting the Bears um AT&T Stadium Las Vegas you know Raiders will be visiting the Dallas Cowboys and then you have the 8 o'clock you know 8 15 p.m. game um, between the Buffalo Bills, where the New Orleans Saints will be hosting them in the Superdome. Well, these are games to me that will change, that can change the landscape, change, you know, rankings within the AFC, along with the NFC as well. For an example, like, I'm looking at the NFC rankings right now. The Bears are honestly in a better predicament than many people would have even thought they would be with the way they started off this year. Obviously, they don't have the best record, and that is, you know, Claire's day. I'll be Captain Obvious and say that. But they can improve. Well, okay, here's the thing. Being four games behind the Packers, I think that blows out the... And of their chances of winning the NFC North, Justin Fields being out. But the Vikings, they're two games behind. And Minnesota's two games behind the Packers. Then you got the Lions who are 0-9-1 who they'll be playing this this um Thursday. This could change, you know. Well, this game I don't think could change the landscape because with the way the NFC is stacked up, it would be hard for the Bears to get in with 
Well, the Vikings five and five, the 49ers five and five. Um the Rams seven and three, Cardinals nine and two. You got the Eagles five and six, who's coming off an impressive victory. The Cowboys who are seven and three. But you never know. You know, there's about I believe since there's seventeen games this year, um, eighteen weeks. So the Bears are three seven right now. You never know what this game could do for you. But with Justin Fields being out, Andy Dalton being the quarterback, um, Jared Goff, you know, possibly having a great shot of playing. This is a game that honestly I can't determine a winner. Well, actually, I can because I don't think the Lions can stop the run. So, with that being said, I'm picking I'm picking the Bears to win because of David Montgomery and their other running back. Um, I think that the Bears' defense is pretty, you know, legit, even though I think Khalil Mack is out for the year. Um, I think they'll be fine. I think this is a game Chicago could pull off. But I think it's going to be a close one because the Lions have been playing a lot of opponents close, and I don't think it's – gonna stop this Sunday so with that being said I got 28-24 the um Chicago correct me Chicago wins that game because the Lions got too many weaknesses in their secondary and in their run defense which I think that the Bears can expose with either Andy Dalton or Justin Fields the starting quarterback and unfortunately, the Lions would fall to 0-10-1. And, and obviously, they were out of the playoffs because you already lost more than eight games this year. And the NFC, like I said, is pretty tight like the AFC conference is. So there goes your Lions. Um, the next game will be the Las Vegas Raiders and the Dallas Cowboys. And this is the game to me, you know... That can change the landscape because if the Cowboys lose, they can fall to, you know, the fourth seed in the NFC if they're not there already. Um, but if they win, they can move up to number three or number two due to the Packers losing and improve their season, I believe, and improve to eight and three of the season. So this is what I mean. Um by changing the landscape because the Packers can lose to the Rams. Dallas can beat, you know, the Raiders. But if the Raiders win, they can move to 6-5, and five, which will obviously knock, you know, the Browns down more, knock the Colts down more, who is 6-5 right now. Um, and, you know, put themselves back in the playoff hunt. So this is when... Playoff, this is the game, you know, one of the games this week where playoff implications can be on the line here. Obviously, more for the Raiders than the Cowboys because the Cowboys are easily winning that division because what competition do you really got for them? None. Um, Philadelphia has too many deficiencies, even though Jalen Hurts is playing lights out this year to some demeanor. I think Washington losing Chase Young is going to hurt them. And it is. Um, New York is obviously awful on both sides of the ball. They don't even know, like, who they want coaching. So things of that nature, they just got too many things from the – and I think it's more than just, you know, on the field. I think it's off the field, too, with miscommunication, you know, lack of chemistry, along with the front office. I, I just – 
it's just too much going on in New York right now. It's just too much to wrap, you know, your head around or wrap your finger around. So, yeah, but as for the Raiders, when you're in a divisional race with both the Chargers, the Chiefs, and then you still got the Broncos in the mix, um, this is a must win for you because you don't want to lose this division. You don't want to lose this game and fall to five and six and then turn back around and, you know, go from what you once was first place to last place in the division. So I think that the Raiders should win this game due to losing to the Chargers already. Um, and Denver, you know, the Chargers playing each other. Kansas City, I believe. Actually, I don't really remember who Kansas City is playing this week. But I can tell you. I can look it up and tell you who they're playing if they're not on the bye week, which it looks like they are. So, yep, Chiefs on the bye week this week, so they would not be playing this week. Um, You don't want to go on the bye. You don't want to do that. Losing to Kansas City, losing to the Chargers already, that's two divisional losses, and you obviously have an opportunity to turn this around, this game against Dallas, but... Unfortunately, I think the Raiders would fall. I think the Cowboys are on a rebound. Um, I think Dak wants to make up to his fans along with Zeke and everyone else. I don't like the Raiders' defense like that against the run so far down this stretch. And I think this is going to be a big game for their running game. I think this will be the game where we actually will see the Cowboys feed Zeke the ball. So I'm going with 35-21 to 21 Dallas. In AT&T Stadium at home, they will improve the 8-3, and three, shake up the landscape more in the NFC, and keep themselves in the playoff hunt for possibly a bye week for the playoffs. Um, I just think that the Cowboys are very, let's just say they're a much more consistent team now than um, Las Vegas, who's losing pieces left and right from a coaching position to a player position, all they're going through is going to be too much for them to overcome in Dallas, along with the Cowboys defense, I think, who can who's really legit this year. And when you hold teams like Kansas City to 19 points, even though you did lose the game, that, you know, that speaks volumes. That speaks volumes because it's like, if this team can do this in a stadium like that to an offense like this, just imagine what they can do to the Raiders, who, well, practically was shut out by Kansas City in their home turf, I think, the week prior to that. But, hey. So, yes, I got 35-21 Dallas. I think Dak would go for three touchdowns, um, and Zeke will have two rushing, or Zeke will have one. And I'm going to pull a trigger here. I think a pick six by either Trevor Diggs or, you know, Michael Parsons for Thanksgiving. You know, to give the Cowboy fans something to feast on the defense about. Uh, I'm, a, I'm predicting a pick six. So I think that will be the 35 points right there. But the Raiders obviously going to do everything they could to fight. But like I said, it's going to be too much for them to overcome. Um, now it's on to the 8 p.m. game, 
you know, AKA is known as the main event between the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, who will be visiting Trevor Simeon, I think it is, and, you know, Alvin Kamara, who's possibly going to be back this week in the Superdome. You know, to play the New Orleans Saints, who's 5-5. Five and five. Buffalo Bills, I think, are, if I'm not mistaken, 6-4 and four right now. I could be a little bit wrong here with the record. Yep, I got it right. Bills are six and four right now. This game could definitely change the landscape of the AFC conference because this can open up, you know, the C if the Bills lose this game, this can open up for the Steelers, for the Bengals who are playing each other this Sunday. Um it could give the Ravens, the Chiefs, more room to, you know, to move around, especially if they handle their business this Sunday. Um, and I don't think you want that if you're Buffalo because you can easily be on the outside looking in, especially if a team like the Steelers, who already beat you this season, you know, handle their business in the sense you jungle when they play the Bengals. And that's not a picture you want. But then again, if you're the Saints... You also don't want to fall, you know, three games behind the Bucks. You also don't want to be on the outside looking in, even though this win will help your chances, but you're still going to be because as tough as the NFC is right now, you never know. You know, you never know, but you losing this game, if you're the Saints, especially at home, it's not going to help you. But who do I got to win this game? I think Josh Allen, you know, it's going to prove the haters wrong, the people, the talkers wrong. I think they're going to reclaim their throne back in the NFC, you know, East NFC East race and all the way up until they possibly play the Patriots. And I don't have a prediction for that game yet, but I do have a prediction for this one. So... I'm going with a dominant win for Buffalo. I think Buffalo's going to just remind everybody who the hell they are and why they're worth the hype and why everybody was hyping them up to begin with, especially Josh Allen, who came into this year as the MVP favorite. That could have changed with, you know, the way Matthew Stafford was playing in, against the Rams. I meant with the Rams, correct me, not against, but with. Um, the way Tom Brady's playing right now, even though he is 44, but still kicking ass. Um, Justin Herbert, you know, you can't leave him out. It, that could change, but Josh Allen is, you know, Josh Allen is up there. Um, I think this is going to be a game he's going to prove that he is wrong. So I'm going with a dominant victory. So I'm going with 35 to 14 Buffalo. I think if the Saints don't have Alvin Kamara, it's going to affect their offense because... You know, starting star wide receiver Michael Thomas is out for the year. Unfortunately, he won't be returning with an ankle injury from ankle repairs that he, I think he's got, like, numerous repairs back in June for, you know, to repair his ankle he, that he suffered. I believe it was during the season of 2020. I could be a little bit wrong there, but... He's not expected to be back, even though he was projected to be back this month. He's not coming back at all. So I think that they're going to have to rely heavy on Alva Kamara because Jameis Winston is not coming back as well due to be out with an ACL tear. And I think it was an MCL tear as well, along with 
quarterback Drew Brees, former QB who has who's retired and now got a job on NBC. So I think that this will be a run-heavy offense, but in order for it to run the way it wants to, you got to have Alvin Kamara there. But if not, I'm going with 35-14 Buffalo because Buffalo is going to be able to do everything that the Saints cannot do offensively. And it's going to tire out their defense. Unfortunately, it's going to, you know, wear them out. And it's going to lead to them. It's going to lead to them pretty much. Let's just say pretty much losing that game and, you know, giving up chunk of yardage, giving up, you know, things like that. But if Alvin Kamara is there, then, they, then you know, Buffalo do got a good chance of winning that game. Because if you saw what Jonathan Taylor can do, and Buffalo to that Bills defense. Just imagine what Alvin Kamara could do, you know, in the Superdome and his home turf with the Saints offense. You, so it's like Alvin Kamara's availability is what I'm saying will be the X factor. But if he's not playing, I'm going with 35 to 14. If he is playing, then I'll go with 28 to tw- Well, I'll go with... Mm, because I think the Saints defense could make a stop when, you know, their offense could run the clock out and, could slow, and you know, can wear the defense down, can wear the Bills defense down. So I would go with 28-24 New Orleans if Alvin Kamara plays. But if not, then I'll go with 35-14 to 14 because the Saints won't be able to run the ball. They're not the best at passing. And obviously, Michael Thomas being out for the year is going to hurt them. So those would be the key factors is obviously run the ball, stop the run if you're the Saints, but you can't run the ball without your best back. And if the Bills, it's vice versa. But it's going to be hard because even though Jonathan Taylor is a great back, he's no Alvin Kamara. And if Alvin Kamara plays... Let's just say the game could be easily over with for Buffalo, especially if the Saints defense can hold Josh Allen to a certain extent. Um, And that's all I have on this episode. Now, uh, good luck to all teams playing. I will see you guys next episode. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. Enjoy. Eat your food. Enjoy your time with your loving family and friends. And I will see you guys next episode. Goodbye. Welcome to the Mike Bomb Podcast, the podcast where the bombs get thrown. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode. This is your host, May Shayla, exiting it out. But before I do, I would like to take the time to thank everyone who has subscribed, followed, and listened to the podcast and for your support throughout this whole series. If you are interested in getting more news and updates about the podcast, such as news episodes and seasons, you can now subscribe and follow the podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Thank you for your support and see you next episode. Yeah.
How or why he works so hard It seems like he's never got time it's like a design is written in his head every time Before he even touches a key Or speaks in a rhyme And those motherfuckers he runs with the kids that he signed Ridiculous, without even trying How do they do it? This is 10% luck, 20% skill 15% concentrated power of will 5% pleasure, 50% Welcome to the Mike Bomb Podcast, the podcast where the bombs get thrown. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode. This is your host, May Shayla, exiting out. But before I do, I would like to take the time to thank everyone who has subscribed, followed, and listened to the podcast, and for your overall support and love. If you are interested in getting more news and updates about the podcast, such as new episodes, new seasons, you can now subscribe and follow the podcast on your favorite platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Pandora Radio, Google Podcasts, and much more. Or you can visit www.themikebomb.com for news updates within your favorite sport leagues along with more news about the podcast. Thank you for your support and see you next episode. Thank you.